0: This is Epicenter, episode 226 with guest Bob Summerwill. The epicenter. Of the show which talks about the technologies projects and startups driving decentralization and the global blockchain revolution. My name is Sebastian Gutierrez
1: and I'm Meher Roy. Today we are covering SweetBridge, which is a project that is seeking to create a stable coin and enable participants in the Ethereum ecosystem to have more liquidity for the assets they might uh, they might possess. On our show is Bob Somerville who's been uh, an old member of the Ethereum community, has worked in the Ethereum Foundation, Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, and now SweetBridge. Bob, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you. Good to be here.
1: You've been in the IT industry for a long time, and then you transitioned into blockchains with Ethereum. Tell Tell us how you made this transition into blockchain technology and what attracted you to Ethereum in particular.
2: Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I started programming when I was 10 years old in, in 1984, back in the uh, the 8-bit days. Uh, my my father was a self-taught uh, developer who built a, uh, a library uh, and, and sort of shop system for, uh, for the stock taking of a, a library at the university worked. It was, he'd, he'd bring his computer home in the evenings to, to work on that. And a curious child, well, you know, what are you doing, Dad? What, what's what's this about? And uh, yeah, so I got, got hooked quite early there. Um, and I, uh, I ended up studying computer science at the University of Leeds, uh, computer science and AI, um, and was lucky enough to meet somebody on my course who was working in the games industry. So I... Uh, my first job straight out of university was was joining uh, uh, Psygnosis, uh, a Sony subsidiary in the UK, um, and uh, I remember at the time, it's not a real job, right? You, you can't get paid to like do games, like that's not a real thing. You know, always sort of thinking, well, I'll, I'll get a real job at some point, but uh, but yeah, that that, that was 1996, um, and I. Uh, I moved to Vancouver to uh, to work on FIFA. Uh, I, I I I did six Fifas, did twenty AAA games for EA Sports uh, over those years. Uh, FIFA, NBA, NHL, SSX. Uh, worked in central technology, um, build systems, uh, configuration management, uh, uh, automation, testing. Um, uh, lots and lots of collaboration projects. Um, cause EA has got about 10,000 employees, you know, 20 or so studios around the world. Um, so you, 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 do get lots of these, uh, you know, they're quite decentralized in a way, you know, lots of, uh, lots of, of companies which were independent that were acquired. So you have, you know, you have different cultures in, 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 in different, uh, in different studios, different teams, um, so working on on those collaboration projects, I think will really set me up quite well um, for for coming into blockchain. So I, I left EA in in 2014, um, really sort of uh, feeling the need to do my own things. You know, feeling trapped in a in a large hierarchy that uh, that acted as though they owned me, they owned my brain and my thoughts. Um, real inability to work on open source projects, to work on, uh, on side projects. Uh, that's really what led me out uh, first into, uh, into mobile um, and, and wearables. Um, but then I, in, in, in 2014, uh, I, I made a new friend, a guy called David Lowy, who'd been uh, into blockchain from very, very early, um, he said his, his first Bitcoin purchases were at five cents. He uh, he he used to own Bitcoin.com many years ago. He flipped that, and wow. did quite well, and uh, he he uh, he took me along to to decontrol to the uh, the um, sort of co-working space and uh, and, and meet up uh, place here, and uh, you know, that, that was sort of uh, Bitcoin 2.0 era. You know, sort of Ripple just sort of appearing. You know, talking about pegging and side chains and. Know, dreams of all of the things that could be done on top of blockchain uh, but you know none of it was a reality at that point the uh, the the ethereum white paper had just been released but i mean this is probably january february 2014 so you know not not again just sort of talk at that stage uh, but later that year uh, vitalik was actually uh, in vancouver coming through uh, spending a day with david um that was, that was prior to the foundation launching still even or the crowd sale. Um, so, yeah, I, I got to meet Vitalik in sort of, uh, I think it was July 2014. I, I, I posted to my Facebook page that day, you know, I, I have met a genius. Nobody, none of you will have heard of this guy, but he is going to be world famous in a few years. And, uh, you know, really just saw, Saw an awful lot of potential there. Though I remember saying to him at the time, so it's so it's like a single-threaded computer for the whole world. Like, how, how's that going to scale? <laughs> you know, in in, in an era of, of of you know cloud computing and giant resources, you, you've got something that's sort of like a you know an old PC of the '80s. And uh, you know, it's like, well, you know, we've got ideas on sharding and uh, proof of stake, but you know, just sort of uh, I, I, I had my own focus at that time, and it's like, nope, keep, I'll, I'll keep my eye on you, but, you know, good, good luck, young man. Um, but then in 2015, I, I found myself in, uh, in Toronto uh, working in my first real Susan tie job. Uh, I joined uh, TD Securities to to help them with, with agile DevOps and, and cloud adoption, um, and I took the opportunity to go to meetups there, went along to Decentral, Met Jeff uh, Coleman, who's doing techno crypto. Um, you know, met up with Anthony Diorio, went to Deck Tech at Mars, um, and uh, uh, Paul Pachos's um, theory meetup meet up there. And you know, it, it was just very evident to me. You know, they've done it. You know, <laughs> we're about to launch Mainnet, and and this thing is for real. And and I could not not get involved. You know prior to 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 learning about blockchain I think like many others you know had a, a real sort of journey of well you know, what's happening with this financial crisis and how does money work and the elites and you know what what on earth is, is happening to the world you know are we powerless pawns and I really you know for, for me blockchain was you know this real opportunity well wow we can you know we can pull the controls back around to our side of it and you know I'm a developer I can help you know I can actually you know, I can actually do a positive, proactive thing to try and uh, move things towards this, this new paradigm. Um, so that's what I did. I mean, I, I you know, I guess the analogy in my head was, um, you know, if you had met Linus Torvalds and he said, you know, I'm doing this this Linux thing, you know, it's just for fun. You know, hey, Bob, you, you know C, you know C++. Can you help a bit? You know, w- Would that have been a good thing to do? Would that have been fun? Whether or not it worked out? Um so that's what I did with, uh, with Ethereum is I just got involved, um, you know, really with thought that, you know, maybe that can turn into some job later. Maybe that'll be some paid work. Maybe I can find something at some startup doing something. Um, but instead it turned into, you know, sort of ushered into the inner sanctum. Um, because in late 2015, when the foundation was, you know, nearly running out of money and, uh, Gavin, the C++ team, kind of moved out and formed Parity. Um, the the project that I'd set myself as a starter, which was actually seeing, can I get Ethereum running on a smartwatch? Um, I was building on top of that code base, and the team went away. Um, so I went in and helped. and And I was the only person in the world that did. So then I got hired. And off we went.
1: At some level sort of demonstrates the power of following what you think is cool and
2: scratch your own itch right yeah
1: because like i think this seems to have happened twice in your career like you scratched your itch with gaming early on without a financial model per se of and then you did it with ethereum and both have worked out quite well for you
2: yeah. And I mean, I I, I, I I really hope that, you know, when we are more in a, a, you know, the new network paradigm, that more people get the opportunity to do that. Because I think that just both fear and, and just financial constraints just stop so many people from doing things that they love, that they really care about, right? So many people just get stuck in a well, you know, that's a good enough, you know, if if I do that job, you know, it won't drive me completely insane and I can have fun, and, you know, in my spare time. But, you know, basically end up doing 30, 40 years of stuff that they don't really care about that much.
1: Yeah. And then you switched to consensus and worked with the Enterprise Ethereum Alliance, right? What were you doing there?
2: Well, I mean, that, that story actually started a little earlier, which was... um when I had joined the foundation, really you know working on that C++ client and, and really helping to sort of reboot that team you know after the departure of the original uh, development team, um, the other thing that popped up in that period was was hyperledger so I was going to the O'Reilly Oscon conference in May 2016. I, you know, I just wanted to go to the conference and um, and just before that you know, Hyperledger had been announced, and I mean, my first reaction was, "Oh my god, it's like your dad's turned up at the at the dance club." You know, you, you're down the <laughs> disco, and your your dad's come. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. You know, like, you know, they're trying to play it being cool. This is going to be so terrible. You know, like, what's enterprise blockchain going to be like? It's oh my god. Anyway, that that I see in respect in 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 retrospect that that was over cynical. You know, there are a lot of a uh, uh, fantastically talented people um, in 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 these uh, in these enterprises as well, but but heading into that, um, I, I spotted that consensus were part of um, of Hyperledger, and I was like, well, what's going on there? You know, I thought consensus were totally uh, Ethereum. You know, what why why are they in Why are they in this? And what is Hyperledger anyway? You know, you've got you've got IBM, you've got Intel. Uh, you know, you've got digital assets holdings, you know, and it's like, everyone's sort of throwing their, throwing their tech in a heap and like, are they trying to pick a winner or like, what, like, what is this thing? What's going on? So I started lurking on the slack and, you know, trying to, trying to see what was going on there and then ended up talking to, uh, um, to Joseph Chow and then Andrew Keyes and then, and then Joe Lubin about, you know, well, what, what. What do you think is going on with Hyperledger? What what what's what does Consensus want at this? Um, and and that was really quite simple. Was was well, we, we want to get an Ethereum code base in there. You know, we 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 think that you know Ethereum is 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 a is a great technology for enterprise. Uh, you know that that Consensus had had their large uh, consulting you know Consensus Enterprise arm for a good amount of time, and it was and it was getting real traction. And you know they rightly thought that Ethereum should be part of that. Um, But the real barriers to that were were licensing, were finding uh, an Apache 2 permissively licensed code base that could go in. Um, And I said, well, I I think CPP Ethereum is is, is MIT licensed. Um, uh, And it turned out not quite to be true. There had been an earlier effort at relicensing. But I picked that up again. Um, you know, I'd, I'd uh, when I when I did go down to OZCON, I set up a um, uh, an open source blockchain uh, meetup, invited all the the Bitcoin meetup, the Ethereum meetup, the blockchain for business meetup, people from the IBM uh, lab there, you know, from Tendermint, from Factum, uh, from the conference, and and had a really a, a really great kind of meeting. I, I later did a a blog post called uh, cats and dogs can be friends and i got to meet brian bellendorf there as well who was announced as the executive director at oscon the following morning um and 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 yeah really i, I started a great friendship with with brian and with uh, chris ferris uh you know who's the fabric uh lead at that point really really looking to see if we could bridge those communities so I, I was working towards relicensing of that CPP uh, ethereum client to see could we get to this wonderful place of saying okay're you're, you're concerned with public ethereum great talk to the ethereum foundation if you want to do enterprise stuff fantastic talk to our partners at the Linux Foundation you know who've done hundreds and hundreds of these collaboration projects uh, and they can help you um, that, that that relicensing effort failed that that was not approved by uh, uh, by by Parity, by, uh, by Gavin Wood. Um, talked a fair bit about that. We're, we're reconciled and happy now, but it was, it was a real kind of blow to me at the time. And, and really that's where the EA came from was uh, the failure of that, that initial bridging effort. Um, and really that uh, that Joe offered me, you know, sort of a, a second bite at that cherry of saying, well, you know, the, the Grand Union failed uh, but we have enough enterprise Ethereum people that we can get together our own consortium, and maybe we can move quicker because we're all on the same tech base. But really, the aim—just saying—well, what does it take to get to production ready? You know, from where we are with public Ethereum, what, what does it take to get to you know a product that you can stand up in the market? You know, against Corda, against uh, you know the IBM blockchain offering, and saying you know here's a uh, you know enterprise grade. Ready to go, um, their own clients. So uh, uh, yeah, I, I worked on that for, for a year between October 2016 and uh, October 2017. That launching in in February of 2017, I was the, the vice chair of the technical steering committee. The aim there just getting together uh, enterprises and startups and and saying, well, hey, what what can we build? What do you need? Uh, well, how do you get to how do you get to done?
0: That's a fascinating story on how 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 you came to your your current role uh, with Sweetbridge, and and I, I agree. I mean, I, I I think that for Ethereum to succeed over the long term, uh, it does need um, you know it, it does need to have a solid public network, but it also needs to have a product that can can be sold to 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 enterprise uh, that is uh, that you know is production ready, as you said. Um, so moving on to to Sweetbridge, you know perhaps a, a, a good way to start is is to to quote um, the CEO of Sweetbridge. I was I was watching talks earlier. So what, one of the great things about Sweetbridge is um, you guys publish these talks uh, on YouTube. There's a few out. We'll, we'll link to them in the show notes. But in um, so Scott Nelson um, said that that see that uh, Sweetbridge is a series of protocols over multiple years that will bring liquidity in all forms. To capital assets and talents within supply chains. So, could could you help us unpack that statement? Uh, what is it that he means here?
2: I mean, the, the the reason I moved to Sweetbridge was not unhappiness at Consensus and EAA, but really seeing a, a, you know a, a, a bigger and a more impactful mission, which was really making you know the the promise of blockchain technology. For, for for social impact and change on the world you know come, come to reality. you know I, I ended up at, at Sweetbridge on the recommendation of, of Gupta, He actually you know referred me, recommended me, and when I started talking to them, you know I, I really realized what well, you know again, I can't not do it. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm jumping again, uh, you know sort of into, you know, into the void a little bit, but, um, but, but really, you know, I, I, I am, I'm compelled to act yet again, because, you know, when you look at what you have going on with, with public, um, blockchain, you know, even, even with, you know, wherever that is now, um, you know, whatever the market cap of, of all of those are so three, what is it? Three, 320 billion, something like that. Um, you know that that blockchain is small compared to traditional financing, and financing is small compared to um, supply chain. Because really, supply chain is it's, it's two thirds of the world's economy, fifty four trillion dollars a year, touching the lives of, of three billion people. Because it's everything physical. You know, it, it's you know getting away from your little geeker sphere. Uh, on, on the computers, you know that there's actually people in the world doing physical things, moving things around.
0: I think a good way to look at it is if if it's anything that you didn't grow or produce yourself, it came from a supply chain. So, like, unless you're picking your tomatoes from your garden and you're carving out your own furniture from trees that grow in your backyard, if it's if if it's a product that you own or consume, it's coming from a supply chain, and that's that's essentially everything right. in their lives, right?
2: That, well, yeah. Well, it's civilization. I guess, you know, we used to live in huts and you, you would do all your stuff and cut your own wood and, uh, you know, grow your own food and so on. But, you know, we're, we're, we're way past that. And, uh, you know, the, the reality is that most people are, are utterly, utterly dependent on other people for, for nearly all of the uh, goods and services that, that make up their lives. And, and and that's that interrelationship is a good thing. You know, that allows you to uh, to specialize and, and to have, you know, vast, vast economies. Um, but, but yeah, the, you know, supply chains are, are probably an area that's, that's benefited the least from technical innovation. You know, they, they really are, you know, here's your, here's your clipboard with your paper things and filling in your, your, your stuff and so on. Um, but though, though, I mean, you, you say supply chain, but you could really say commerce or business. Really, it's, it's 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 almost that broad you know, physical business. You know anything which is not purely digital. Um, and I mean, I guess, I mean, our in our profession, we we get used to being so digitally native that you don't think about that stuff. But you know, most people on the planet are, are absolutely not. Um, you know, it is around around physical things and, and retail and shipping and uh, uh, and so on. So. You know, there's just really huge, huge impact that you can have by applying this technology to 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 that area because it's 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 huge.
0: And so, can you expand on what he means when he says that it will bring liquidity? So, how does Sweetbridge bring liquidity into global commerce? And you know, perhaps explain why global commerce isn't liquid
2: for sure yeah well um so i mean really the reason for that is that uh unlike in your personal life where you just buy things and pay for them uh the majority of of business transactions are here i make an order uh somebody you know supplies the, the the goods or services for that order and then they send an invoice and then they're paid later. So there is this, this trade financing gap, where you know that's fantastic that I have an order of a you know a million tons of coffee beans from uh, you know from Starbucks or what have you, but you've got to go and like find the money for that somewhere, and, and you know that that, that that carries on down the chain that, that uh, the, the the big corporations that are at the top of the supply chain have uh, incredible access to credit you know, large companies can very easily, you know, do new bond issuings or whatever, or just just lend money at, at great interest rates. But as you go out and out towards the edges of these networks, and especially into developing markets, uh, you don't have that access to credit. So, you know, the World Bank says that, um, you know, the number one barrier to world trade is systemic lack of access to, to credit. You know, that, that uh, large, you know, the assumptions that we have, I guess, as, as consumers even, In the west of well of course i can get a credit card of course i can get a mortgage of course i could get a business loan you know maybe the terms aren't going to be what i would like but you know it's going to be okay as long as my credit's sort of all right i'm 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 going to get access to that you know that i i I will be able to to start a business I, you know i can get you know lend some money to get my orders in and then i'll get paid later um but that's a complete blocker to a lot of the world you know that people are reliant on on loan sharks to get the smallest amounts of money, you know. This is why uh, microfinancing has been so impactful. Uh, is you know we're not necessarily talking about a lot of money that, that people need to, to just start something. They, they just you know, don't have a hundred bucks or whatever to go down the warehouse to get a pallet of something. Um, so what that what um, Scott's talking about with with liquidity solution is that we we have a real fantastic um, opportunity uh, with blockchain. Of being able to um, take existing assets that people do have uh, uh, and essentially uh, locking those up, you know, tokenizing those and locking them up on chain, and then what you can do is is that you can you can borrow against those, but without needing a counterparty. That's the the key difference of of, of the proposition of, of Sweetbridge is is this this idea of being able to. To lend yourself money, but secured on assets which you already have. So stepping away from that sort of usury. Well, you know, if you want access to credit, you know, you have to give me title on your house, and uh, you know, uh, basically that that people are are taking their cut because they have access to credit, but you don't. So they basically borrow you. You know, they, sorry, they lend you either their own money or or, or credit that they have access to, and the, and you will pay for that. Um, you know, so in the worst case, that's that's loan sharking or payday loans and, and so on, um, and even in 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 what we would consider as the best cases, say in the West, of well, great, I can have a mortgage and I can buy a house, isn't that brilliant? Well, not really, because they take hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of interest uh, away from you. I mean, it's over a long term, so you don't notice it so much. But you know, that's uh, that's how the financial world has become: is uh, is is really, you know, certain institutions or individuals have uh, easy access to credit, uh, and they they lend that out, and they just accumulate all the money.
0: So, uh, can you explain how one can lend himself or herself money? Like, how walk us through how so let's for instance say I have like maybe the simplest example I have land and I want to borrow money against that land um, walk us through how this works because there's there's something that, that I'm, I'm not clear here like who's rent who's lending the money yeah uh, and what interest you know would and who's benefiting from this
2: so I mean essentially who's lending it is is nobody is lending it um you are minting it. And I mean that's how fiat works. Is is uh, you know a central bank uh, or or the commercial banks you know through the rights that they have through the central bank, well, you know they create new money. That's that's how how lending works. Is is money is magicked out of out of thin air uh, and is lent to you at interest. Uh, but what's been different is that's been an ability which which only you know sovereign nations have have been able to do uh but with with blockchain anyone can mint tokens anyone can mint new you, new currency um so that's how it works with Sweetbridge. is that you you have a real asset behind it you know so it isn't it isn't funny money uh you know it's not completely made up you know there is a there is a real world asset that's sitting behind it uh and you're not you're not actually um you know you're not doing a fractional reserve kind of 10 times lend or, or what have you you know, you, you have an ass, a, a real asset behind that, uh, but you are, you are minting new coins, and those are bridge coins, um, and there will be repayment terms. Um, if you don't make your repayment terms, then your, your, your asset will be pulled away from you, uh, but not by a bank, but into the network. You know, it will be, it will, you know, that ownership will be taken into the network, and then, you know, there'll be some resale mechanism. But yeah, you are essentially you are minting new coins. You there, you go. You can you can exit that value to US dollars and do something with it. Uh, but you know when you you repay it, well that that closes the thing off and out of out of that uh, you, know, you, you can close the thing off. I mean you know and that's something that can that can never happen with fractional reserve. You know, fra- you know, the sovereign debt can never be repaid, right? Uh, because it's you've got interest on top of that lending, and where, well, where's that interest coming from? Well, nowhere. It can't come from anywhere. Um, where the setup we have on sweet bridges is that those bridge coins can be, you know, closed, closed back off again, um, and the interest that, that you have paid was really just it's it's just paying for, you know, the cost of uh, that machine.
1: So essentially like from a user experience perspective, if I have Ether, you can imagine this the sweet bridge system, the early systems that you're building is I can sort of deposit my Ether. Correct. And if I if I do, if I deposit a thousand dollars worth of ether, what is it like? Two Ether now? So if I deposit two ether was a thousand dollars into the smart contract. I'm going to get uh, $1,000 worth of bridge coin.
2: Well, it won't be that much. No, because what you would be doing at that point is you'd be having a hundred percent loan. So, you know, you, you, uh, depending on, on the asset class, there's only going to be a certain amount that you can lend against it. I mean, you know, I guess the dynamics there are very similar to margin lending, you know, You don't want to leverage yourself up too much, or if the asset value drops, you're going to get margin called and you're going to lose your money. Uh, So I'm not sure exactly what ratios there are going to end up being, but yeah, the initial product will have uh, Ether and Bitcoin um, in the wallet, and you will be able to borrow against that to a certain ratio. And then the scenario really is that, you you know, you do have, you know, a, a, a sell line and if you hit the, the sell line, then yeah, you're gonna get partially liquidated, or you can fund it up before you get close to it. I don't know if there's gonna be some waiting time. But yeah, essentially, you know, you are you are having a, a, a margin lend against that uh, crypto asset. Um and don't leverage yourself up too much because it is fun it is fungible and will sell.
1: So it could be I lock- I lock to ether and I get let's say $500 $500 worth of bridge coin out. And now the, the question is what is bridge coin, right? Like what is this yeah. thing I'm getting $500 worth of?
2: Well, you're getting something that you can exchange for US dollars that, that is essentially like a US dollar you know, stable coin though though not stable coin in the same synthetic way as, as uh you know pretty much all of the other stable coins that there are in that this is an asset backed asset. So what you can do there is is yeah you could you can exit that out to fiat. Or you can keep it and hold it. So you know the other the other piece which uh this liquidity layer is all for is really is for building these you know these supply chain ecosystems on top of it is really building what's been described as a as an overlay world economy. In that uh, native cryptocurrencies are not really suitable for, for trade because of both the deflationary aspect, you know, the hodling um, that they are, you know, they're not they're not designed to be used. You want to want to hold onto them; they're valuable. Um, uh, but also just the uh, the volatility, you know, signing a contract saying, "Well, in one year, I will give you one Bitcoin for this service." Is just a massive currency risk. Like I have no idea what that's actually going to be. You know, so it's really not suitable for signing business contracts in cryptocurrency. It's just uh, too much of a, a volatility risk. But if you have something which is, you know, essentially pegged to, uh, you know, US dollar, euro, um, uh, that's that's workable. So there will be multiple bridge coins. That's the other thing to say. Is everything that we've been talking about so far has really been focusing on US dollar but there will be multiple bridge coin, you know, fiat.
1: So this in principle is not too different from the thing that was attempted by BitShares, like the BitShares created the BitUSD and the BitCNY. It had exactly the same mechanism. And then later on, MakerDAO came on the scene in a big way, and they have exactly the same mechanism except they add a certain feature on top, which is that should a lot of defaults in the system happen, so it's like people came in and locked Ether and got BridgeCoin out, and if Ether falls down radically, it falls down a lot, then they they have this other piece, which is the MKR share. Uh, The shareholders would bail out the system, essentially, and uh, re-collateralize it. So, like, like, the liquidity part of Sweetbridge appears to be similar to Bitshare's BitUSD and similar to MakerDAO, but minus this kind of insurance system.
2: So, so yeah, I mean, Maker are, you know, I guess, a, a you know, a sister brother sibling project, uh, with, with Sweetbridge. Uh, uh, so Kenny, uh, Kenny, uh, Kenny Rowe, um, is an advisor to, to Sweetbridge as well. Um, Know, who, who who was there at Maker uh, Our Chain as well? Um, I I met with both the Dapp Hub and uh, MakerDAO uh, teams in Cancun at DevCon three. Um, the Sweetbridge tokens are built on Dapp Hub code. You know we uh, you know we don't have a formal partnership, but um, you know we kind of could. I'd like to. We've just both been busy, um, you know, because I think that, you know, there's a lot of similarities, but yeah, just a, just a different economic model, really, um, uh, in that the initial building on top of Ether Bitcoin piece of Sweetbridge, it is similar to existing things, but it's part of a much, much broader vision um, where it's really just getting the you know getting the pipes lined up with the simple case uh i mean another key advisor for sweetbridge has been Gupta in that uh his materium project for legally enforceable smart contracts is a you know a fundamental building block for you know all of the more interesting parts of sweetbridge which is really bringing off-chain uh assets uh, into into the pattern, which is, I mean, that's really where you're going to get the stability is, is not by trying to get to stability synthetically, but by having, a, you know, a, a broad set of real world assets, which are stable, you know, like real estate, like factoring of, of invoices, you know, like lending against stock, um, you know, or, or basically anything, you know, really the, you know, the ultimate vision is, is all the assets in the world uh should should come on chain. And that's really how you have stability.
1: So the the idea here is okay, it is easy to imagine me locking up to ether and getting five hundred dollars worth of bridge coin out, right? Like all of the primitives for um for this transaction are already built. But what Sweetbridge would ultimately want to enable is I don't have ether. I have something that is, let's say, quote unquote, a real world claim on something else. So the example could be, by the way, like I've actually worked in supply chain for most of my professional life.
2: All right. So you're uh, going to school me then?
1: <laughs> no, no, no. There's, uh, there's nothing to school really. Like I'm pretty familiar with, with this with this problem. So the problem is like this. So I used to work in the vaccines industry, supply chain. And the issue is this. So the Mexican government, let's say the Mexican government wants to buy 200,000 doses of of vaccines. And that 200,000 doses of vaccines, they're going to cost $20 million. We're going to ship them the vaccines. And all we get from the Mexican government is just a paper that says, we're going to pay you $20 million 60 days later. That's it. That's the paper we have. We don't have money in the bank account. Um, so we have all of these papers from our, of, uh, all of our customers, essentially. But on the other side, to actually manufacture the vaccine, um, we need to buy stuff. And when we go and want to buy stuff, there are some some places where you can buy stuff and you can tell them, oh, we will pay you 60 days later because that's when our customers will pay us. But then there are other places where this this just does not work. Right? So you have to give them money immediately, whereas the money that you're going to get will come 60 days later. So there's this mismatch. So ultimately, like what a big company like Novartis needs is, hey, somebody take these pieces of paper from me, but give me actual dollars on my bank account today. So hey, I'm going to receive $20 million in 60 days, but take this piece of paper and give me $18 million today because I'll use that $80 million to buy other things. And this is a very practical bread and butter problem. And so the idea here, what seems to me is, you want to allow that kind of transaction to happen on chain, right? Like, So the simpler transaction is lock Ether, get Bridgecoin out. But then the more complex transaction you want is, here's Novartis that locks $20 million worth of this paper that somebody will pay us in 60 days they can lock that in and they they can get bridgecoin out so this is ultimately what you want to enable
2: yes yeah and i mean the so what materium is doing and and how that is fundamental is beyond assets which are already on chain there's a huge amount that we can do with with this this legal bridge mechanism uh, of saying well in in 150 jurisdictions around the world, uh, you two parties to an agreement can agree to legally binding arbitration in case of a dispute. Um, this is something called the New York Accords that was signed in the 1950s, really to facilitate world trade, uh, and really, I guess, came out of, of maritime law. You know, if a, if, a, if a ship goes down in the middle of the ocean in international waters, what do you do? You know? <laughs> Who who pays for it? Who who gets what? How does that happen? And and the answer is arbitration, you know, that that would go to some maritime lawyers who will look at what the contract was signed and will come to some determination and then that will be um, you know, legally enforced Um, and that mechanism uh, is is the intended mechanism for making smart contracts uh, legally enforceable uh, through Materium is saying, well, when you sign a, a A legal agreement between two companies or whatever, doing something. Uh, You are going to sign a uh, a real-world contract, you know, in a given jurisdiction, uh, according to their local law. Uh, You you are going to have a a a real-world big-name law firm who are going to write that digital version of that for a for a given asset class, you know, sort of as a template, you know, fill in the names and details and so on. You are going to uh, digitally sign that and hash it and anchor it. And there you go. Um, that would, those lawyers, though, would be paired with smart contract authors who are writing the smart contract, uh, you know, really implementation of like, well, what's the flow chart? What the state thing can go through? You know, if this and two of you signed that, and then it's in this state, and if it fails, it can come out. Uh, and that you're really, you know, you're digitizing uh, uh, a, a contract uh, but you also agree to arbitration in in case of, of dispute, and what that means is, so say that contract is, you know, is this kind of factoring, you know, agreement? Yes, we agree, we'll we'll pay it, and so on. You have something there which which is legally enforceable. You know, in in case of dispute, there you can take that to the arbitrators, and they will take that to the to local court and the court will rubber stamp it and no, you, you own these. Yeah. Oh, that that was the house. Yeah. You, you, you tokenized your house, but yeah, that, that really was a real token. You know, someone can't say, Oh, that was just silly internet money thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not leaving my home. Well, yeah, you are because you, you signed a, a, an agreement and that's legally enforceable. And I mean, like anything else, like, you know, most things never ever get to court, but the fact that you have got that, you know the, the the force of the state at the end of the line, that gives you the confidence uh, of of businesses to to be happy to sign a you know a, a smart contract, a, a digital signature of a of a, of a legal text, uh, and feel you know secure in doing that. So really, you you we've we've got to the paperless office. You know it's happened. We can actually have these things you know on the computers. You know, we, we, we have enough of that digital infrastructure, plus enough of a of a tie to the real world law that you can that you can do do commerce on on computers. And I mean, it's it's no different really to something like you know DocuSign. Uh, you know, it's it's just taking the thing a step beyond uh, plus using smart contracts for enforcing the actual logic. So so yeah, that 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 Materium. Uh, bridge should then let you augment things which are already on chain with nearly everything which is jurisdictionally bound can can be done using that pattern. Um a, a a third area that we haven't got in scope, but I think we probably should at some point is 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 more like what um Oracle Eyes are doing, where you have things which are sort of like physical bearer assets. You know, the idea of having, you know, a Rolex watch, a bar of gold or something with a cryptographic seal on it and you know you you can do proof of possession. and you know, I think that's another category another category again is that legal bridge is assuming that you're living somewhere where you have the rule of law and having title to a house, you know, is gonna work. If you're in Somalia, doesn't really matter possessions nine tenths of the law at that point. But I think all three of those are are going to have roles to to, to bring things on chain. Uh, and really bringing them on chain is just getting them in a malleable form, right? Where if they're on the computers and you can do stuff faster.
1: Yeah, so I sort of understand the vision. I personally have I have concerns about the stability of the bridge coin, but we won't go into it because you mentioned that you personally are not, in the economic side of it, but actually in the building no. infrastructure side of it.
2: Yeah. So the people to talk to there are are, are Michael Zagam uh, sorry Zagem, uh and uh, Alex Balkin of Coinfund, uh, and okay. and Scott Nelson and, uh, and David Henderson, the CFO. They've done a lot of thinking. It's just not in my head.
1: Okay, okay, but I do get the value proposition of of this of this approach. So the value proposition uh, to me is is very clear because last year I I invested in a startup in India. The problem that this startup solves, like uh, wants to solve, is essentially the problem of uh, supply chain liquidity, right? So what they what they're doing is they're working in the construction industry. So um, so in the construction industry, like imagine like I'm, I'm a builder, right? I have to build this whole building, right? And then I have customers to which I will sell like flats in this building. But in actually in order to build this building, I need like cement, I need like steel, I need all of these raw materials. So generally what ends up happening is uh, the builder gets these raw materials and then promises to pay 60 days later, that same thing. Now, that creates a lot of strain on the company that is making the cement, right? Like it has shipped all the cement out, but it's not going to get this money anytime soon. So the interesting bit here is, so the cement company essentially has these papers from builders that they will pay that they'll pay them 60 days later. And they want to sell this paper and get actual money, actual dollars very quickly. It's the same Novartis problem is the same as the builder problem in India, it's the same. But what is striking is Novartis is usually able to sell these papers at a discount of 2%. So if Novartis is expecting $20 million out, they'll say, hey, we'll give you a discount of 3%, but take these papers and give us the money. But like that same cement company in India will need to offer a discount of 25% in order to get the papers off their hands. And that's the difference between a developed economy and a developing economy. So what this translates into is there's ma- there's many businesses that can work in a developed economy, but will not work in a developing economy because that cost, the haircut you have to uh, you have to admit is just so big. And the interesting bit about like Sweetbridge and these approaches is we have potentially bringing a global pool of liquidity to bear on this problem. So no matter where that person is from, here's this global system that is going to bring this liquidity um, to, to any company that has this particular problem. So maybe ultimately it's going to make this kind of financing cheaper for all firms in the world rather than have this unequal distribution that Companies in some countries have it easier, and in others they don't.
2: Absolutely, I mean, I, and and that that was something that, that hugely appealed to me is is really, you know, it's it's about level playing field. Is, uh, you know, the, the existing world economic system, uh, you know, it it's effectively economic colonialism, you know, continued. Um, that there is, you know, this this systemic economic. Um, uh, you know, su- suppression, which means you, you just can't get out of it. You know, you, you're carrying a giant load on your back. Um, and, and it just, and it just negatively impacts the whole of humanity. You know, it's, 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 uh, you know, we, it, it's quite obscene with the, you know, with all of the, um, affluence and, uh, and, and resourcing that there is in the world, you know, that, that people are, you know, living in fear, uh, you know, that, that you have, Know, starvation, homelessness, lack of access to, uh, you know, to education um, and, and healthcare. When you know we, we, we're living in a world of abundance, it's just incredibly uh, poorly distributed, um, and really that's by design, obviously. So let's not do that. We we really have an opportunity, I think, with 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 blockchain to to build. A, a fairer and better system for everyone.
0: So let's move on to. Um, so we have spent quite a bit of time spending on the on the liquidity aspect of uh, of Sweetbridge, uh, but there are other components to this uh, to this protocol. Uh, I think it's safe to say that the liquidity um, part of the protocol is is the perhaps the most important. But let's spend a little bit of time on the other. Components. Can you uh, describe very briefly, sort of, the other layers and what role they play?
2: Yeah, for sure. So, uh, you know, I guess the the, the the big thing to say about Sweetbridge as a whole is uh, that Sweetbridge itself is not looking to build any products. It's it's looking to build uh, protocols um, and uh, alliances, ecosystems for all sorts of things to arise on top. Um, the you know the background of most of the founders of uh, of Sweetbridge is deep deep experience in in supply chains financing settlement um, you know basically f- facilitating the process of giant amounts of uh, of contracts and invoices for for, for, for major supply chains um, and you know something that, that that Scott Nelson was saying that CEO was that uh, you know he's been doing smart contracts for ten years, uh, but you know without blockchains it was it was really automation of, of, of contracts, you know digitization of contracts and, and, and verification that uh, you know these contract terms are being met and people are being paid and uh, and the thing is being settled out. So um, while you know the majority of the focus is is on this liquidity piece—it's really because you need that to get to the next bits, which are uh, uh, you know the, the really the wheelhouse uh, of the principles uh, of, of, of you know the founders of, uh, of Sweetbridge, which is really these these, these settlement and, uh, and supply chain pieces. But you need that stable, you know, base to be able to get to those. Um, so. Really, the, the the next layer there is is is, is settlement, yeah, um, which is really well. If you have that economic basis, what you can have is you can have a series of companies which are basically a, agreeing to, uh, you know, to interact with each other um, in in Bridgecoin. You know that they are all living in that uh, overlay world economy of, uh, of of a more liquid um, but stable. Uh, currency where you, you you can make contracts with each other uh, on that basis so um, the alliance the sweetbridge alliance uh, is a a group of partner companies within this sort of growing ecosystem who are basically looking to dog food and and live within this this new paradigm and starting with the liquidity protocol, but, but building up from there. So yeah, the, the, the second layer protocol, though, the really the idea of layers implies that, you know, you have a, a single linear set of stages you're going through, which is also not the case. Um, you know, sweepage are, are encouraging others to build on top, but, you know, build your own layers. Um, you know, there's no, there's no magic answer here. Uh, The web of world trade is probably one of the most complex systems there is and really you're talking about business process automation. And and it's going to be a very heterogeneous setup. Um, So, uh, and and that really starts to manifest in terms of blockchain technology at that settlement layer in that liquidity as we have it right now is Ethereum mainnet. But when you get up to that settlement layer and you start getting to actual supply chain technologies you know that's where we start working uh with fabric fabric composer probably Corda, and probably any other uh, other blockchain tech that that uh that needs to to get plugged in and also non-blockchain ones as well you know there will be SAS uh, legacy things which are going to have value from connecting into liquidity or connecting into settlement where settlement is really saying well hey here is a here is a a web of of these contracts which have been agreed. Uh, who's going to pay who, and when does that happen, and how does that happen? You know that that um, is both a mixture of something that you can have on a per smart contract basis, but some of those are perhaps you know outside of that. You know if you if you have this this um, this web of suppliers, um, well, who gets paid first? If, if somebody has not paid their suppliers and they have some money coming in, well, does it go to them or does it go around them? You know, wh- wh- where does that happen? But, uh, you know, that, that is a common problem as well in supply chains is that uh, you get dragged down by your partners. You know, you have a situation where uh, somebody owes you for something and they haven't paid it yet. Are you going to stop supplying them? Because if you stop supplying them, that might kill them even more, and that might mean you never get the money. You know, so this is a very common problem: is is, is your business partners end up having problems, and they drag down, you know, their their others with them. Um, hmm. But that's something again where you model the thing as as a network uh, on, you know, with more, you know, more free market pieces. You can you can probably start, you know, decoupling things quite significantly you're not necessarily having to do you know hey you're my only supplier for this and i'm going to sign a you know three-year exclusive deal with you well no like i'm just going to get things from wherever whoever can supply them you know you can end up with a lot more of a fluid kind of network and and really hopefully isolate some of that damage a lot more where okay you're 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 going down you know, you you haven't paid your suppliers, well, maybe the money gets routed around you. You know, maybe the, the network just routes routes around it, right? You've got an, an internet route round the damage kind of, uh, you know, analogy going on in these financial networks as well. Hopefully isolate the damage more than you know, has been the case traditionally where you have got very, very rigid, you know, painful uh, relationships.
1: Cool. So, um... The Sweetbridge project uh, is doing an ICO as well, right? Um, so tell us about the ICO and what is the token that is being offered for sale.
2: Yeah, so the the, the crown sale that we have ongoing um, has been running since yeah, December. It's going through going through different phases, different different tranches, and uh, what's being sold is is Sweetcoin so that there, there are there are two tokens in in the economic model there is bridge coin which is the stable coin So really there's multiple bridge coins you know you can have bridge coin us us dollars bridge point euro so on um and the second uh, token is is sweet coin which is a uh, a discount token model now a discount token model is really very very interesting um and and a little different to a utility token in that the the economics of a discount model are really, really aligning um, uh, incentives in that the value that you have from a discount token is using it. You know, if you use these discount tokens, well, you get discounts. Um, If you don't use them, then you don't. You know, so hodling gift cards is a bit stupid. You know, um, you can, but really, you're not well served to do that. So, both the quite heavy sort of KYC manual KYC process we have, together with that discount token model, discount token model, have really made Sweetbridge really quite different to an awful lot of the other projects out there. In that we are really quite repellent to speculators which is great because that's not what we're looking for. You know, we're not, we're not about self enrichment. We're about building a better world and building a better economic model. And really the people that we're looking for, um, to buy sweet coin are people who want to use sweet coin, who want to, uh, you know, use, use that, uh, liquidity model, um, or do their own, you know, crowdfunding. That's another thing that we have is that the, uh, is that the platform that we've built, you know, is being offered again as a sort of, you know, crowd sale in a box kind of solution to, uh, you know, to companies on, on, in, in the Sweetbridge Alliance or, or who want to join that, who, uh, who see value in that, in that discount token model, uh, which is really on the basis it's on a it's on a so scott was telling me it's a the, the valuation is on a on a 5 year sort of basis that you you know using your discounts over over that term should be a should be sort of a wash um so yeah really the model is that uh, you know anyone can use the protocols you know at a low interest rate that will depend on the asset class don't have exact numbers it's going to vary by country as well but then you can apply these tokens to reduce your rates all the way down to zero, you know, so you can have interest-free lending. The other thing there as well is that we are looking to set up our own fiat gateways. uh, So you could also get, uh, you know, fee-free fiat exchange if you do want to exit it.
0: Okay, cool. So, With regards to um, how you'll be launching this, so how will people be able to um, use uh, this platform at the beginning? So what is sort of your go-to-market strategy? How will you launch?
2: Yeah, so the the initial product, uh, which was slated for for Q1, but there's only two weeks left, so maybe that isn't happening, um, was, uh, well, or is, uh, that we will have a, a mobile app, uh, which is your, you know, your, your, your wallet, um, and that you can uh, deposit Bitcoin and Ether uh, in that, and that you can uh, that you can lend against those that you can that you can mint BridgeCoin. Uh, that is the uh, that's the initial uh, uh, MVP. Um, the the sweet coin has been minted. That happened in in January. Um, some people who were in the earlier rounds of the sale, you know, have requested that that be uh, you know sent to their own wallets. You know, they want to keep it on a ledger or what have you. Um, they are both um, sweet coin and BridgeCoin are EIC twenty uh, compatible tokens, so you can do that if you want. Um, but the thing is that moving it outside in that way has basically un-KYC'd it, it's, you know, it's taken it out. So, you know, those, those tokens, as they are, are pretty, you know, kind of pretty worthless in that secondary state. You know, we are not looking to go to exchanges. We're not looking to list, I guess the, you know, there's a risk that you can have a rogue exchange, um, just choosing to do that anyway. But those, those un-KYC tokens, they can't be used for their purpose, you know, you can't use the discount token unless you're inside the system. So really, again, that's another repel speculators kind of uh, approach. Uh, You know, you could sell or gift those tokens to somebody who, uh, who would go through that process again, you know, who had been KYC would and could show, Hey, I have acquired more tokens. Can I, you know, get these blessed back in, um, but you know that's a that's you know again a slow manual process. So really, the aim is is to build um, you know a a, a closed ecosystem, though that's closed um, to people within you know within that alliance, within the customer base. You know, not to you know, it's not a company silo, it's a project silo, a, a community silo. Um and that really those where you do have bridges to fiat that that will be done by creation of new uh, of, of legal entities uh, to do that in a you know in a regulatory compliant way so really not looking to have any speculative elements in any of this
0: well that that would really be a a novel approach to to um to launching a coin I'd say uh, if, if you'd manage to pull that off um, well thank you so much for coming on the show today uh, Bob it was uh, great to talk about uh, about Street bridge and looking forward to seeing how this how this vision gets rolled out I mean because it is quite a grand vision oh yeah um, as uh, as our listeners will probably have uh, have understood after after um, after this interview so uh, thank you so much and and we we'll look forward to seeing how sweet bridge will, uh, will evolve
2: no no worries and and i would thoroughly recommend that everyone have a look at the, the there is a, a fantastic video of of Scott Nelson and Vinay Gupta chewing through all of this stuff it's it's an hour and 40 minutes long it's an absolute epic you know head to head meeting of the minds uh, really talking through an awful lot of, uh, of
0: yeah, I, I watched that. I mean, I watched part of it earlier because it is quite long. But as I said, you you guys put out these uh, these sort of thought videos, out um, the sort of talks, I guess, which are uh, you know, very interesting and in where where you go in depth into some of all some of these issues with so sort of the economics, uh, but also the technical aspects. So we'll link to those in the show notes.
2: Yeah, I mean, tons of videos, tons of blog posts, uh, and and yeah, lots of depth. I mean, another thing that really appealed to me in the first place is that some of the very first public releases from Sweetbridge were a series of blog posts on core values and core beliefs, you know, that really this is a, you know, a really deeply ethical, you know, big vision thing. Um, And that was really very unique to me, and I resist.
0: Great. Well, thanks again, and thank you to our listeners for once again tuning in. We release new episodes of Epicenter every week. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes, SoundCloud, your favorite podcast app on iOS or Android you can also watch the video version of the show on youtube uh, if you're interested in getting in touch with us uh, you can do so now on our gitter channel which is epicenter.tv slash gitter where um, you can speak to us or other members of the community and you can also support the show by leaving an itunes review it always helps uh, more listeners find the show and we're also very glad to see your reviews so thanks so much and we look forward to being back next week we